so many here today. We're very grateful for each one. And we're looking forward to God teaching us a few things that might be very beneficial and encouraging to us. I hope so. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 8 and read that passage again that we did two weeks ago. Beginning in verse 23, Matthew 8, 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. Now, we went over that last time, and you just if you've never experienced anything like that, you don't know what you're missing, uh, to have water literally coming in over the sides and on top of you. But it can be a very frightful thing. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, and, and I'm... I'm reading this like, you know, but you could really emphasize it. Uh, they, they were in a panic. They were in uh, uh, panic mode. Lord, save us, we perish. They were concerned about their own safety. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? I, this is important that we see this. Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Let's pray just for a minute and ask the Lord to give us real clear direction as we go through this together today. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the word of God, the fact that it's so powerful and it just, it just cuts down deep into our, our lives, uh, the joints and the marrow. And Lord, we just, um, we just realize the power that's in this book. It's not like any other book that we'll ever read. And so I just pray, Father, that today, as we think about this account and other accounts that we'll be looking at, I just pray that you would help us as a people as those that have been born again, those that have trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we would have a great desire, we would long to not continue with little faith, but we would strive and long for you to give us great faith. Pray that we would be encouraged, that we would have a desire. This is is a, a scriptural request Father, that we would grow in our faith. And so I pray that you would help us today to have a a tremendous longing to know you better, to know more of your word better, and to, as a result, have increased faith. So I trust that your word will just be a a real encouragement to us, and we'll just uh, give you all the praise and all the credit in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord Jesus said, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Fear, and there's a lot of things that you can look into about fear. 
But fear is a real indicator of a lack of faith and trust. When you when you're showing fear, when you're anxious, when you're uh, uh, when you're going through life and there's this fearful attitude. And by the way, as a pastor for all these years, I've talked to a lot of individuals and this is a normal for them. This is a normal lifestyle for them. They don't know. A lot of people don't know how to live without fear. They have genuine fear at night. They every everything every time they turn around, it's always going to be the worst. Um, worst case scenario, uh, you can't get a hold of somebody on the phone. You just imagine the very worst. If they live in constant fear and dread of what is about to happen. So, but fear just there's a lot of things you can say about fear, but. Fear is a real indicator that you really don't have that total trust, that total faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it's obvious as we go through life and from times as we go through life, there are times it gets worse as far as feeling like life is out of control. And then things kind of line out, gets a little bit better and seem like things are better. And then first thing you know, you look up and everything's out of control. And uh, I don't know about you, but a lot of times we all say, I want to fix it. I, I want to try to fix it. I want to, I see all this spinning out of control and I want to do something to fix it. I want to, I want to, what can I do? And um, so it just requires total faith, total belief. That God is more than capable of fixing anything that any of us will ever face in life. And based on Scripture, even if He doesn't fix it the way we think it ought to be fixed, and that and that happens. We we can pray and pray and pray, and sometimes the answer is no. And even if he doesn't fix it the way we think that he ought to fix it, we have that faith, we have that confidence that God is working everything in my life out for my good based on the Word of God. And that's all you can do. You just have to, it just seems like it's out of control. You've pled with the Father, you've begged the Father, you've Spent time with the Father, you think you have the mind of God, and the answer still ends up being no, it didn't work out that way. But you have to have that faith, that confidence that no matter what, He's working all things out for good. And you've got to go, you've got to get there. You've got to, if if you don't have that down, if we as believers, if we don't have that, Life is going to be pretty miserable because there are times, in fact, my wife and I just recently, all the different things that have come up for prayer, we've noted how many things God has answered as we have prayed. I mean, it's actually worked out. So many things have been answered. So many requests have been answered in the positive, but it's not always like that. 
So Matthew, turn to Matthew 13. We used this one last time, but I've, I've got to show it to you again because it's so very important. Matthew 13, 58. You need to see this. And I believe this literally with all of my heart. That's why I'm encouraging as your pastor, I'm encouraging all of us to be on the same page, at least have a desire, at least ask God. We're going to have an invitation in a little bit. Fall on your face and ask God, God, I need more faith. Verse 58, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I am confident, I am certain, based on this scripture and other scriptures, that God, if, there, if we don't exhibit and, and live out true faith, then our unbelief causes Him to withdraw. It's important that we get that. It's important that we understand that. He wants... Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. He longs for us to trust Him. And He leads us through life, as we did, I think, first or second message. He leads us in the situations. We're following Him. We're following, we believe it's God's will. He leads us into situations that are impossible Show that so that he can show us that he can turn anything that's impossible to us into a strong possibility. And so he's leading and he's he's looking to us to believe him. Now, again, this is not just our wild ideas and you know, I I I you know material things. It's not that. It's based on God's Word. It's based on God's Word. Now, we have to be aware that He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And so, I don't know about you, but I long for God to do continued mighty works here at Northfield. I want to see that. I long for that. And I believe he's allowed us to go through COVID and to go through all the different things we've gone through the last couple of years. I believe that he wants us at, the, at this place, this time in the church history, I believe he wants us to exhibit strong, gigantic faith that he's in total control no matter what. Now, I, I pointed out that there are groups, probably in a congregation or in, you know, in the church, uh, it, there are groups. There are groups that would be categorized as having little faith. The disciples in that circumstance with the, with the water coming in, the waves, the storms, Jesus indicated and said they had little faith. Okay, so there's some of us you know, and you know who you are probably, who have little faith, then there are those that actually just doubt. You know, and I, I, it, it's amazing. I just I wonder 
When you're praying, I don't know what you're praying for, something that you really are praying for. Have you ever experienced this? You're praying maybe for a soul, a relative, somebody, a co-worker, a neighbor. You're praying for their soul, and the minute you stop praying, you start having doubts about whether they're going to get saved or not. Are you praying for God to do something scripturally that he says he's going to do? And the minute you're done, you look up and you start doubting. I mean, our human nature many times will allow that. We, we think like that. We pray. We think we're praying in faith. And then the minute we're done praying, we start doubting. Oh, that's probably never going to happen. He'll never get saved. I don't know about you, but we really need to continue. As long as a person has breath, there is hope. We just heard just this week, just this week, Joyce Cap's brother, he does have stage four cancer. He is very ill. He's even got COVID on top of all of this. But Joyce had, people had witnessed to him, tried to talk to him. He didn't even want to listen. He didn't want to hear it. And so she was, she was really moved, I think it was last Sunday morning, she was prompted by the Holy Spirit to, to approach her brother one more time. So she got, in, got her Bible, she was reading the Word, she was praying, and when she made the phone call, her husband Coy was in another room on his knees praying, and I've seen him on his knees many times. He's on his knees praying, <clears throat> Joyce is calling, and her brother, she said, I would like to talk to you about your salvation. And he responded positively and said, yes, I want to hear. And he prayed and received Jesus Christ. He is saved today. <clears throat> and many, many had given up. Many didn't believe. Many thought it would never happen. And folks, we've seen it here in all these years together. Carl Maples, we prayed. I can remember his mother-in-law praying, praying for Carl's soul. He would be out on that golf car, uh, course playing golf. We'd pray for him. We loved him. We were friends with him. And finally, he started, well, he'd come to church occasionally. He'd come to church. And he, and he came. And finally... He's in his 80s, and one day he prayed and got saved. Folks, I'm going to tell you what. God, God, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Don't doubt it. Don't be a skeptic. Don't give up. Have confidence in God. So don't be in that group of the doubters. Now there's another group. And I know somebody, I didn't have anybody bring it up or ask me, but I know for a fact there are some outside that have been here and gone for some reason, whatever. When they hear us praying for the future of our church and everything, they honestly do not. This is another group. They don't want to see us succeed. They really don't. In fact, it's been pretty well indicated by some you know, that 
they, they hope we fall because they see us as evil and bad and, you know, and all these different things. So there's that group. I hope nobody in this room is in that group that you would be in a group saying, well, I hope the church doesn't do well. And then there are those, and I've rubbed shoulders with them, I've spent time with them, and I've communicated with them, and I had one just the other day say, Pastor, this is not our first rodeo. There's another group that have great faith. They have great faith. Folks, if you're not there, if you, if you have little faith or you're struggling with your faith, less today, let today be a turning point in everyone's life that we're all together joining together with great faith not in what our abilities and not man-made solutions to things, but trusting the very character of God and who God is and what He is up to in our lives. Trust Him. Count on Him. Keep your faith in Him. Now, I've just written down a couple of things and just to think of. And again, as I've prepared this this week, just... Thoughts keep coming in scriptures, but what causes folks to be doubters? I'm going to just give you a couple of just very practical thoughts. What causes people to become doubters? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says very clearly, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. When we, now listen when we ignore the Spirit, ignore the Word of God, we see it, we're convicted, we may even come to the front on a Sunday and we're under tremendous conviction, then Monday nothing's changed. We, the Holy Spirit's convicted, the Word of God is convicted, and we ignore and we disobey or we reject what the Spirit is telling us, we are quenching His Spirit, His work in us. We're, we're cutting off the work of God in our lives because we're being disobedient to His Word. We're being disobedient to His Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. I believe quenching the Spirit can lead to, it can lead to a person becoming a doubter. God's Word becomes dull. It's not fresh. Let me, let me read a, a passage. Flip over here. Um, Hebrews chapter 3. Let's just, I'm going to just kind of at random pick some of these verses. But it's important. Verse 8, chapter 3. Harden not your hearts. This is what I'm talking about. Quenching the Spirit. Disobeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You've been convicted. God is calling your, you know, calling your attention to something. He's convicting you of something. And because of disobedience, our heart begins to get harder. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my 
ways. I am confident, and I've, I've read some great things this week. I am confident great faith is directly related to how much we know the character of God. Great faith. If you, if you are into learning and spending time with God and, and focusing on His character, then your faith can increase. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It is the deceitfulness of sin, the failure to keep short accounts with God, the fact that we are convicted and we continue to reject and refuse and stiff-arm God and say, I'm not going to go there. It's important that we understand that quenching the spirit has a huge, is a huge uh, part of being a doubter. A key to strong faith, this is kind of another related that's all together, but a, but a key to strong faith, big faith, great faith, is a person who's walking in the Spirit with a clear conscience. I can, I can tell you, a person that doesn't have a clear conscience is probably going to be a person that has little faith, no faith, or they're doubters. But they don't have a clear conscience before God. A guilty conscience is a huge deterrent to having great faith. Now, last time when I preached on this topic, a couple of people came to me and said, and this reminds me, they said, reminds me of an account in Mark. So turn in your Bibles to Mark 9. Mark 9. want to look at this account, it's very familiar, beginning in verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they had beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought... Now I want you to look at this in the sequence of events here. Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake, now take note of this. This is, I've, I've preached a whole sermon on this part right here before. I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Folks, that, ought, that, that verse ought to break our hearts 
and I, I want to say this very delicately and very lovingly, but I will not know how many people have asked church members questions, scriptural questions, and they've received the wrong information or they didn't get any help and they turned away. The disciples could not. Folks, we, we ought to be a people that know the word of God. We are so controlled by the spirit of God that when people come for help, they can't say they couldn't do anything for me. They couldn't help my marriage. They couldn't help my family. They couldn't help me with my kids. We need to be able to help them. We need to be able to say, give them answers, scriptural answers, and love them to that point. I spake to the disciples and they, that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him un, unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed and foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, the father said, of a child. In other words, this has been with him for a long time when he was a little child. And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire. Can you imagine as a parent? Can you imagine as a parent, your child going through this and cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Mark that. Satan is out to destroy your kids, your family, and things that we allow in our homes, things that we allow and permit, will give Satan ground and a foothold to come in. And that's his goal, to destroy families, to destroy a church. To destroy our lives. But thou canst do anything. Have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway, verse 24, And straightway the father of the child cried out, and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was as one dead inasmuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. couple of things that I want us to think about 
The Lord, I'm confident, brought this to my mind this week. The father cried out, verse 24. Straightway, the father cried out. As I saw that, I, I really believe this is a father who is broken. He is genuinely broken over the condition of his child. He's crying out. He's, he's crying out. He, he's desperate. He's, he's hurting. He needs relief. He's concerned for his child. This is a, a broken man. And folks, I'm going to tell you, you can mark it down. God takes us through life and leads us into circumstances where we come out broken and needy, not proud and arrogant. He wants us to be humble. He wants us to be broken before him. He wants us to be on our face before him. He wants us to genuinely, sincerely be broken and cry out with with tears. Now, let me just speak to the parents just for a minute. And again, I've dealt with so many parents over, over this time we've been together for so long. Parents, examine your response to your children. Examine your response to your children. You may have a, a situation going on in your home where your child is, is struggling. Uh, there may be some issues and you're concerned about it. You can see it from the parent's viewpoint. You can see, you know, if this doesn't turn around, this is not going to turn out good. And so you can see attitudes. And you can see behavior. You can see a child not being truthful and, uh, and different things, hiding things. And all, on and on, it can just go. And so we have to examine, though, our response as parents. We have to examine what is my response over the condition. See, we, we always try to focus on the problem with the child. But I think it's a good place to start to examine what is my condition? What am I thinking? How am I doing? Am I broken over what's going on with my child? Because you see, I've seen this. Some parents have an issue with pride concerning their children. They want their children to be like little ducks in a row. You know, I mean, just the perfect picture of, you know, the poster family. And when something happens that's negative... Something happens where a child becomes willful or a child misbehaves and it's, it's becoming now a pattern. It's not isolated, but now it's a pattern. Parents can, and I've seen them, get actually proud and prideful or embarrassed over the condition of the child. Rather than being broken over the disobedience of the child, they're upset and embarrassed that someone may find out about how my child really behaves. And so it's, it becomes an issue with the parent. Pride. 
What are others going to think? I mean, all they've ever known is I'm just this perfect little family. And all of a sudden, things are it, the, the wheels are coming off. Then, this pride, this embarrassment can lead, not saying it does every time, but it can lead to a parent becoming angry with their children. And then, when a parent becomes angry, and then you say, well, I've got to bring discipline. There's got to be some discipline here. Then the worst thing you can do, one of the worst things, is discipline in anger. Discipline when you're mad. Discipline when you're in control, when your flesh is in control, and the spirit is not in control. So parents get angry. They discipline in anger. And this can lead then to a child having a broken spirit, not a broken will. Does that make sense? Is anybody getting it? If you discipline in anger, and a lot of things push us over the edge, and I've done it. I mean, we lived here 19 years, right there, the fifth house on the left. And I can remember, you know, I'm bigger and badder than my boys, and I'd get nose to nose with them, and I'd say, you're not going to do that. You're not going to talk to me that way. And I'd be right there. And then God would get a hold of my heart, and I would be, I would be so sick at myself. I would be so upset with myself that I allowed my flesh. And so you've heard me for all these years. I've, I set the record. I hold the record of asking forgiveness for my family of anybody I've ever known. Because I made so many mistakes. And God had to teach me through one situation after another, after another, after another. And it's by God's grace. Let me tell you, I had a dad come in one time. He had a notebook and he says, all right. He said, I want you to give me all the scriptures you've memorized. And I, want you to, I want you to tell me all the things you did. And how did you get your kids to turn out the way they did? I said, close your book. Close your book. It's all God and none of me. It's all God and none of me. They are where they are because of God's grace, not because of my great parenting skills. But you see, you can ask, according to James 1.5, you can ask God for wisdom. And you need to be doing that on a regular basis, asking God for wisdom, how to break the will and not the spirit. It's very delicate. It's very delicate how to break the will and not the spirit. But I think genuine brokenness, I, I'll tell this, I, I tell it with permission. And I don't know, it's funny, you know, as life has gone on, my kids remind us that we don't remember it exactly the way they think it went down. So I don't know if, how it's going to be, but we were in Highlands, Texas. I was pastoring there. We lived in the parsonage on Faith Street, by the way, and, uh, and it did take a lot of faith. And uh, so we were going to a basic seminar, 
And we had the church van. So we, we hired, for our kids, we hired a, um, a lady that worked in the church nursery to come and stay with our kids while we went to the seminar. So we had a church a van full of people. So we told everybody goodbye, you know, and everything, drove out of the driveway, got down the street, and I remembered I'd forgotten something. I don't remember what it was. But I turned around and went back to the house, which just was a half a block away. I went back, went in, and this is the way I remember it. I'm not sure Julie remembers it this way, so if any of you have an opportunity, she'll tell her side of it. But what I remember is I walked in the front door, and she had her hands on her hip saying, now my daddy said I can do this, and my daddy said we can do that, and my daddy, and my, my daddy, and my daddy. And I walked in, and she looked up and saw me. And I got her by the hand, and I went into the bedroom. And I fell on the bed and started sobbing. I just started sobbing. She remembers that part. That was such a key. It wasn't put on. I didn't look in the mirror and practice it and muster it. It just, God, broke me. Folks, that's what God wants you today. This idea of mad and angry and I'm bigger than they are and I'm going to make them do it and all this. That, that, listen, that's going to work for a while, but it's not going to work for long. They've got to see some humility. They've got to see some Jesus in you. They need to see some Christ in you. Genuine brokenness. That father cried out with tears. And then he said, I believe, and this is what Dick pointed out, we were talking about it two weeks ago, I think, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Help, I believe, but I only believe so far. Help me the rest of the way. Help my unbelief. The father was troubled. He took the son to the disciples. They couldn't do anything. Thankfully, he remained persistent and didn't turn away and leave. He, they brought the scripture in verse 20. They brought him unto Jesus, unto him. And the disciples and the crowd, they all came together. And he at least knew where they needed to take him. He didn't give up. He didn't, he didn't throw in the towel, but he said, help my unbelief. Have compassion on us. Help us. He's begging for help. So he's broken, but I believe this father, and this is, this is what I really think. I think God was working this broken father, and he, this help my unbelief, I believe, is an admission and a confession to a lack of faith. He needed help with his faith. He needed help with his unbelief. Now folks, when we have our invitation, this is where, I'm going to just stop right here just long enough to say, this is where I hope and pray all of us will be like this father, broken before God, and say, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. I could envision this whole church 
saying to God in unison, Lord, help our unbelief. We, we, need, we need great faith. He needed help. He knew where to take the boy. Once again, the father didn't know Jesus very well, but he admitted, he was admitting that he needed more faith. If you, never, if you don't admit it, I mean, you're going to sit there and say, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's fine. I, I don't need anything. I, I, don't, I don't need any help. Things are going along pretty well for me. We have to admit, we have to agree with God and say, God, I need more faith. I need you. I need your help. I need to know you better. I need to know more about you. He knew the source. He knew where to go. And he knew who to ask for help. He humbled himself. And he did admit, and I believe this is a confession, that he did admit, I need help in this area. Help my unbelief. He was struggling with his faith. So great faith, we're going to go there. It's going to require brokenness. It's going to require confession that I need help. I need you, Father. I need you to increase my faith. I I'm lacking in this area. And then I want us to think about, kind of shift gears just a minute, because we're focusing so much on our lack of faith and our need to have more faith. But I think the real key is, it is a clear conscience, it is brokenness, it is confession, but I really believe that, a, that a, the main issue is that believers, all of us, need to be focusing on the character of God and on His faithfulness rather than on our circumstances, rather than on our problems. God is faithful. The Scripture over and over and over reminds us of His faithfulness, <clears throat> the fact that He is the one that's faithful. It's important that we understand that we are grounded. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Faithful is he who calleth you. God will never call us into anything that he doesn't provide everything that we will need. He will enable us with everything that we will ever need to accomplish what he has called us to do. And I have, I'm going to use my handy dandy Thompson here. Let me just read a couple. There's so many verses. You can look them up in a concordance about the faithfulness. And so this is where our focus needs to be. I know that our focus, we, a lot of times we're looking at our circumstances. We're looking at our problems. We're looking at our struggles. We're looking at where, you know, others are going wrong. But we need to keep our focus on the character of God. That's going to help increase our faith. The more we know Him, the more we gain confidence in Him, the more we're familiar with Him and His ways, then you can count on the fact that we're going to, our faith will increase. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God. 
Psalms 36, 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Psalm 89, 1. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. We need to be, we need to be talking about the faithfulness of God. How faithful He's been to answer prayer. How faithful He's been to be with us, to be present with us in times of need. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And in 1 Peter, there are others. 1 Peter 4.19 Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. God is, that is His nature. It's His character. It's who He is. He is faithful. And our faith should not be dependent upon our abilities or our strengths or our weaknesses, but on His faithfulness. Who we we know who to trust. We know who to go to. We know who to cry out to. And it's looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12, 2. We need to keep our eyes, as they say today, keep your focus on Him. Because there's so much around us that looks like the world is unraveling right before our eyes. Everything is escalating thousand times bigger than what we ever dreamed a month ago. But focus on His character. Focus on His faithfulness. Not my troubles, not my circumstances, and not my means of trying to get me out of this fix. Remember, it's God who allows us to be in the impossible situation so He, so he can show us that nothing's impossible with God. He wants to build our faith. He wants to increase our faith. You're here today by divine appointment. No one came here today and surprised God. God knew you would be here and that you'd be hearing this message. And I believe all of us have need of, we've got faith, but Lord, we need you to help our unbelief. Give us more faith. Strengthen our faith. Focus on His character. Our invitation is going to be basically threefold. One, of course, we always pray for souls, for people to be saved. If you're not saved, you've never been born again, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today would be the greatest day of your life. You could come to know Him. He died on the cross for, for our sins. He loves us. God loved, so loved the whole world that He gave His only begotten Son. So pray for salvation. Pray for those that need to be saved. Number two, we need to all of us, all believers, all North Belt members and visitors and everyone that know Jesus, we need to come to Him today. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till later. We need to come today and ask Him to help us with our unbelief. And then I would really feel, as so many of you probably are aware, we need to pray for the people that are suffering those images 
in Ukraine, those images, so many, too many to even begin to imagine the lives that have been lost, the suffering that's going on, the courage, the courageousness that we see. We need to pray for those suffering people. I understand we have missionaries from Ukraine here today, and I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here today. You've blessed us by being here. And uh, we need to really pray. These are, these are people that, that the one mother holding a little baby in her arms said she's not leaving. She couldn't leave her countrymen. So at, this, at the peril of her own children dying and getting killed, she couldn't leave. So folks, I'm going to tell you this, and, and I just, I don't want to be an alarmist, and please, I'm, I'm not, but I'm just saying I've lived long enough to see things unravel and unfold. But if this is not stopped, if God doesn't put a, a stop to this, this could spread to other countries, surrounding countries, to the Ukraine. And when that happens, very likely can draw America in. And what can happen then is going to affect your children. And it used to be just our young men. And now it's not just our young men. So this is big. This is big. But we serve a big God. We serve a mighty God. And I hope today we leave here with big faith. Not in ourselves. Not in our abilities. Not in our brilliance. So we can fix this. We can figure this out. Humbly on our face. God, I need more faith. I want to focus on you because you're the only one really capable of doing anything about all of this. So we're going to have our invitation. Aaron, why don't you come and lead us? As Aaron's coming, let's pray. Father, we cry out to you for mercy. We pray for souls. We pray for people to be saved. Help them to realize how fragile life is. They're one heartbeat away from all eternity, either hell or heaven. And I pray that you would help us as a church, as a people, as believers, that today all of us would leave here together, united, shoulder to shoulder, a people of great faith. Believing God is more than capable of doing anything that He so desires. And it's not just lip service. It's not just words. We believe it in our hearts. And we do pray for the people of Ukraine. God, for the, for the, for the death, the suffering, and for the courage. And we pray in Jesus' name that this war would stop as soon as possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.